What's up? I'm Miles. And I'm Jan. We're the brothers behind Real Ballers Read, and this is The Book That Blank, a podcast where we talk to interesting people about books that are meaningful to them. Each guest gets to fill in the blank however they like. It can be the book that totally changed my life, the book that's way better than the movie, or the book that makes my stomach hurt from laughing. Today, we're talking to Tracy Thomas, who is the amazing host of the Stax podcast about the play Othello by William Shakespeare. In case you haven't read the play yet, Othello is a black general in Venice, Italy, who has everything going for him until he promotes Cassio as his right-hand man instead of his advisor, Iago. Resentful and out for revenge, Iago successfully plots to destroy Othello's life by convincing Othello that his Italian wife, Desdemona, is having an affair with Cassio. For Tracy, Othello is the book that made me remember that we've always been here. Be sure to stay till the end to hear why. We're really excited to share this conversation with you because we had a lot of fun talking to Tracy. We discussed why Othello is more relevant than ever and how it represents race and gender, as well as debate over our problematic favorite movies and hear Tracy's book recommendations. We shared a lot of laughs in this conversation and hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Book That Blank. We are here with the greatest podcaster of all time, Tracy Thomas from The Stacks. Uh, and we are talking about Othello by William Shakespeare. So, Tracy, uh, can you introduce yourself for us, please, and tell us when did you first pick up this book? Okay. So, I've hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. And thank you for saying that I'm the greatest when I'm obviously not. But thank you. I appreciate it. And I love it here. Um, I was listening to y'all's show and I was trying to think when was the first time that I read Othello? Did you ask me to introduce myself? I didn't do that. I'm Tracy. I'm the host of the Sax. Hi. Okay. Blah. Who cares? Um, I was trying to think the first time I read Othello and I think I was must have been in middle school or high school. I know I was in like lower school. I know I wasn't in college because I know that I read it before I saw the movie. Oh, with Josh Hartnett and Mackay (laughs) and Julia Stiles, only the greatest movie in the world. I know that you all are a decade or so younger than me. So I don't know that you guys were like really hip to, Oh, but it was like a very important film that came out in my teen years. Wow. Do you think that's your favorite adaptation? No, the Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes uh-huh. and, and Leonardo DiCaprio is, <laughs> and it's an ace film. It's so good. We can talk about that too, because people, I don't like to talk shit about it, but it's so good. Um, so I think I probably read Othello for the first time. I want to say, I want to say in middle school, but I don't, that seems young. I don't know, maybe eighth grade. Um, yeah. So, what do you remember from that first time that you read it? You know, like, were you picking up some of what Shakespeare was putting down? You know, like, did you walk away from it thinking it was trash or what? I think that I liked it, but I don't think that I loved it. Um, And I think that I was reading it with knowing that I was going to see this movie. (laughs) Like, I think that like, I really was like, Oh, I want to read the book first. And I probably didn't understand a lot of it, but I do. I, I think I read it in high school with a class, like with a teacher. And so I know we broke it down that way. And I know that I saw it in Berkeley an all women's production of it in Berkeley when I was in high school. Mm. And I knew that I understood it. And like, 
so I, I, I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. I studied classical theater um, for a year in college. I'm currently reading through all of Shakespeare's plays, like a challenge that I made for myself. I have th- two left. I have two left. Um, so I've been doing it. I've been reading one a month for the last 30 five months and I will be done in two months if I keep on track. Um, it's actually been slightly longer because I skipped, I skipped a few months, like last month I was late. So I read it this month anyways. Um, so that being said, like, I've always really liked Shakespeare and I, I understand the text like pretty well. I think for some people that's, uh, can be hard and I think it can be, um, sort of discouraging, I think is probably a good word. It's like, I don't understand what's happening because I don't know for me, like if I can't understand a sentence, I get so frustrated. I think that the book is terrible. It's, but it's really a me thing. And I think that happens to people a lot with Shakespeare. Um, but Othello is one that I feel like I just got it. Like, I just have always really liked the play. It's bad. And Romeo and Juliet, I think are the two best, um, Mm. so far, but I have two left, but, um, so yeah, I don't, I think I always liked the play and, and now I love it. Now I think it's spectacular. Right. What do you think? What do you think is the thing that has like stood out most uh, re re rereading it over over time as like it's most like, you know. Powerful lesson or takeaway. Huh. Okay. I think that so I've read it twice in the last three years and Mm. the last the last two times I've read it has what has propelled it to being like one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, because I think in the last two years in America, that's all I can speak to, but in America, um, I've seen so much of what comes up in this play be what we're talking about, like culturally on so many levels. Like, so for example, Iago's like fragile white male fragility, like if that's (laughs) not a metaphor for, MAGA people in so many ways. Right. And like this fear that this black man is like taking what he wants and like Cassio gets the job he wants and he thinks he deserves it. And it's like, well, sorry, pal, you got passed over for this job. Like you weren't as cool as you thought you were. Right. And like, that is so relatable. And he goes on this whole tirade and like, I don't know if we can do spoilers on this show, but it's Othello. Like this play was written in like the 1500s. But, you know, it's like this whole play is propelled by this white guy feeling slighted. Right. And like that to me really stood stood out. And I think obviously like the racism part of it is super powerful. But in the last two readings, the way that the white male fragility just jumps out, that's the thing that's really resonated with me Um because I think that the racism is like standard run of the mill racism, right? Like it's not, it's not exceptional. It's not particularly clever. It's not particularly good. It's just like, we don't like black people. He's a more like right. we're racist, you know? Like, so to me, right. I think that that's what's, what's really stood, stood out. Mm. What about you guys? Yeah, I feel like. I start reading criticism of, of works too soon after I finish them before mm-hmm. I fully form my own thoughts. And then by the time that I read other stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, those are better ideas. I'll just take <laughs> take those, right? So like, I, I, I don't even know, you know, who will be talking when I um, talk about the, the play, but you know, the, the first thing that's just 
on my mind now is just the whole history of like perform performance around it in the mm. last 400 years. Uh, there's a scholar, Ayanna Thompson, uh, who is a professor at Arizona State, uh, who's like, she, you know, what is probably like the world's like leading expert on, on of this play and like the um, hi- history of how it was per- performed. But like, you know, she she literally gets calls from actors who are playing Othello who break down during their like runs for the for the show because they feel so like villainized mm. by Iago by the white audiences that they literally have nervous break, breakdowns and like the right directors like call her to um help them wow. but like that fact alone um totally changed my, my mind about about this this play just in terms of like how right 400 years later you know a black act, actor can be acting in this role of Othello and like I don't know, be, be driven to, to that same insanity that, that he is in the play. I just find, find that to, to be crazy. Um, So that's, so that's my first thought. But uh, Jen, what, what do you, what do you Uh, want to say? That's pretty raw, Miles. I I didn't know. (laughs) Uh, No, for, for me, I think I had this very like, I had this very large impression, very deep impression of realizing how like the audience, the English at the time when this play first came out were living in this around like, you know, women being evil and uh, promiscuous, right? The myths of the like dark uh, Muslim horde who are like, you know, uh, em- you know, embodied in like Turks, Moors, Africans. Um, and and seeing how like the play is informed by all of these like myths that are still alive and well, like today, uh, just really like, I think really hit home for me, right? Where, you know, from the first page, I'm thinking like, oh, this is a tragedy of like the black man in America or like take somebody like OJ, right? And wow. And, and yet it's so much like deeper and broader than that, right? Because obviously so much of the play, all, the whole play is set up in, Europe and there's this gradation between like the English audience, the Venetians who are still European, the more, and then mm-hmm. parts on the other end who are like just fully the villain. So yeah, seeing this, seeing this like national, racial, uh sexist like spectrum going, like not only like in 1604, but now I thought it was just right. it was ridiculous. Uh, right, and and the fact that all of those things could be layered into the same story, um, while having like another storyline going ahead, which is just that the guy is slighted, and then you know puts all this stuff together to undermine Othello, is just ridiculous. Dude. Did you guys ever read this book in school? No, actually. In, okay. So- our, yeah. No, I was just gonna say that our our parents always like brought it up, but. Uh, I only ask because one of the things that I remember when I like when it was being taught and maybe it was after I'd read it in school, but like people would talk about how Othello was a more and like that that wasn't really black and he was really like right. a light skin, whatever, whatever in this right. like weird, like this isn't actually a 
play about racism. It's about a play about the other. And it's like, well, okay, let's carry that out. He's different because of his skin color, whether it's like light brown or like dark black. Like, and I just thought that was like such a weird mm-hmm. distinct distinction that people were making about the play. And I just was curious if you guys had ever heard that, but if you did, I feel like it's something that like came up sort of around school time, like some, you know, some white kid being like, I Googled it and yeah, it's a war. Like in the, it's in the text though. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's so, so many points is his black, 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 blackness right. confirmed by, you know, him, himself and other characters. Yeah, I think what's the line? There's that great Iago line that's like his your black or his black ram is stopping your white you or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember Mm -hmm. the exact line, but it's it's definitely a yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just was curious what you guys thought about it too. Mm. Yeah, I mean I'm actually it's funny because I'm taking a um class on Shakespeare now in England. And we, we read this play two weeks ago, and that was the first, the, the very first, first time that I had read it. But the play that we had read before was Titus Andronicus. So good. And so good. So I good. I hated it when I first read it. But that that play has Aaron though more, right? And mm-hmm. what I found found so interesting about reading Othello was like the similarity between Iago and Aaron the more and how they kind of flipped the 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 roles kind of because it seemed like Aaron the more was more you know what is the word encompassing of what you know folks thought of more uh, at the time just like menacing evil um, you know trying trying to attack order and then Othello turns into this noble character uh, that is like undermined by. Iago, right? So I'm, I'm curious what, what do you think of uh, that comparison, you know, as a Shakespeare scholar? Yeah. Oh, am I a Shakespeare scholar? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, a, self, a self-studied one, yes. <laughs> That's funny. I was like, who are they talking to? <laughs> um, I, okay, so I, first of all, Titus Andronicus is so good and they don't, no one does it as enough as does it on the stage as much as they should. Um, and just to be really transparent, I am a Shakespeare scholar in the sense that I studied Shakespeare as an actor. So I'm not really a scholar of Shakespeare. Mm. I am just a theater person, but I think that's a good distinction to make because there are actual Shakespeare scholars who really understand the history and like the implications. And I just more understand the text and like the performance part of it. But that being said, um, I think that you know, the, the differences between Aaron and Othello are definitely, uh, they're there. One of the things that Shakespeare does a lot with his text is works with, um, antithesis, right? Like the opposites of things like you'll hear, uh, and Richard the third, you know, the opening line is now is the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by the son of York, right? Like, so there's Mm -hmm. this glorious and discontent summer, winter, and he's Mm -hmm. constantly playing with antithesis. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true in a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters that are sort of the good or evil version of each other throughout throughout the plays. Like a lot of people compare Troilus and Cressida to Romeo and Juliet in a lot of ways. Um, there's like young lovers, but also um, in a play like Midsummer's Night Dream, the two women characters are very different. Same with In Two Gentlemen of Verona. Um, and so I think that we see that a lot in his work where he's like sort of playing around 
with these archetypes and like pulling them apart and putting them together. And so I think it's really astute what you said that like Aaron is sort of what the racist stereotypes of the more the brutish, angry black man, Um, Mm -hmm. whereas Othello is sort of like the Uncle Tom character of a black person, right? Like that he's beloved by all the white people Mm and he's like actually pretty gentle and calm and like consciously is not doing the things that that black people quote unquote do right? right like he right. there's 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 a thinking process mm-hmm. behind what othello's does and willing to do and he's sort of in the beginning is like i'm not going to do that because um because that's what they want me to do like that's what they think i'm going to do right and he's like very measured like in the scene with um desdemona's father early on where he's like, did you marry my wife? And he's like, I did. And then they tell like their whole love story. Yeah, and it's okay. like, oh, I'm not my wife. Did you marry my daughter? Sorry, did you marry my daughter. Um, <laughs> like that scene really shows like how measured Othello. And so mm-hmm. I think that like the, the Iago driving, driving the madness mm. shows that it's like, that it's actually antithetical to who Othello is at heart, right? Like that it's like pushing up against something. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, people would go see these plays. So you would see his whole Shakespeare's mm-hmm. whole canon over time, right? So like you would be right. familiar when you saw, because Titus Andronicus came first. So you would be familiar right. when you saw Titus Andronicus right. after seeing Aaron, that when you saw this other black character that like, oh, this person is going to be like that person, right? Like you're expecting that because you understand it's what's coming. So I think it's interesting to like sort of play around with those kind of characters. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Another, another pretty interesting, um, like sentence that, that kept coming, coming up from folks like Harold Bloom and Lawrence Fish, Fish, Fishburne was that they see this as like Iago's play mm-hmm. and Othello's tragedy, but they see it as like Iago is the main mm-hmm. character in this. I do think you, so. Do you agree with that? Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so one of the other things that does is like he gives his main characters soliloquies. So usually like characters that have the soliloquies who get to speak directly to the audience are the protagonists. Um, so I think like uh, Iago is like the first, uh, you know, one of the first, what do they call anti-heroes, right? Like he's our, he's our protagonist. Also the other thing that Shakespeare does, that's really cool that I think I wish more writers who wrote for the stage and film did is that his characters never lie. So if they lie to each other, they tell the audience the truth. So like, you know, Iago would be like, oh, I saw, you know, Cassio with the handkerchief, but he already had set it up for us or sets it up right after. Like, I'm lying to this motherfucker. Like, I'm just (laughs) out here telling like, and so, and so that is also really cool because it shows like, you know, the audience is on the inside with these characters because they're telling us what's really going on in their heads. Whereas a lot of people think that like watching someone lie is interesting. And, I, and it's actually more interesting to watch a character tell the truth. At least that's what I think. Mm. Yeah. I actually felt that way about the entire play just because I knew what was going to happen going in. And so it's like, there's an honesty just in like the back, the back flap of the book, which is saying like, Oh yeah, this is exactly what's going to happen. And then you read it and all of the characters are similarly like, Oh yeah, this is exactly what's happening. And I don't know. There's something about it that makes it even more interesting. Like I knew the ending 
but then that made me paying a special attention for like how it came about and like how mm-hmm. it all wrapped right. in the end. You know, I thought that the way that everything came back together was just amazing. Right. So. Yeah. It comes to, this one comes together really nicely. It has like a good pacing. Some of them come together weird. Like the beginning will be one play and the end. You're like, what in the hell? Um, but this one has just such a good flow. It like comes together so well. What are your critiques of Othello? I wish there was more Amelia and Desdemona. They're so Amelia is so good. That scene, I think it's act four, scene one, the, um, Willow, Willow, oh. Willow, Willow, the singing right before. Mm, maybe it's four, three, maybe four, three. Where she's like, that Lodovico is a lovely man. And then she's like, if I die, yep. um, you know, my, my mother had a maid. God, where is it? It's so good. It's the last scene. It's the undressing scene. I thought it was four, one. Maybe it's four, two, four, three, four, three. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. That scene makes me cry. I think it's the most beautiful right. scene in the book. I think it's so good. Uh, oh yes. Here it is where it's like, how goes it now? He looks gentler than he did. Yeah. And like, Amelia's trying to sort of calm her down, but then she's also like, you know, these men ain't shit. Like, <laughs> you know, my mom had this person and, and the man drove her crazy. And, and then she's like, you know, um, I'm just reading through it again. Cause it's just mm-hmm. so good. But, you know, Desdemona is getting ready and she has this feeling that something bad is going to happen. And her, the two women are like talking about how to be in relationships with abusive men, essentially like, and yeah. Amelia sort of like, we don't have to put up with this really. And Desdemona is like, well, I want to do like, I want to be dressed the way that he likes me. And I want to do this and that as if any of this has to do with them, you know, like it's all driven by this white male fragility. And yet everyone else around Iago is trying to compensate for him. Right. And like trying to compensate for this madness. And I just find that scene to be so good. And and I just wish there was more Amelia. She has so many great lines. Um, what is, where's the part, uh, where she says, ah, where is it? Um, I think, what is it? I think, oh, she, so she says, um, but I do think it is their husband's faults if wives do fall. Say that they slack their duties and pour our treasures into foreign laps or else break out in peevish jealousies, throwing restraint upon us or say they strike us or scant our former having in despite. Why we have galls and though we have some grace, yet have we some revenge? Let husbands know their wives have sense like them. Like she's essentially saying it's men's fault if thing if this shit falls apart. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just, it's just, there's so Shakespeare writes women so well, he writes the best women and it's just like, but he never, he doesn't use them enough. And so that's my big, I think big critique. And then I also think, you know, it's, I don't think this is necessarily a criticism of the play, but it's a really different play. If Othello is the protagonist, right. And not just the person that the show's named after. Right. Yeah. I would, I would, I'd be curious if he doesn't, use one woman enough because like most of the casting in his day was all men i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. um so you know it might have been like an audience realism thing or or i don't even i don't even know but i think that that, that is a very very good point i think it's yeah just so sad how you know she stands up to iago and the final bit of her her life and you know dies dies for it everyone who was telling telling the truth dies and is yeah 
don't, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, that's, that's the whole point of it being a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, everyone so, dies, unfortunately, in the tra- when you see the word tragedy, it's like, oh, okay. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you bring up a good point, though, Tracy. That like, it's like again with with what you're saying about antithesis. Uh, Shakespeare's, you know, writing these amazing female characters, but then also is like having them still get like killed by their crazy husbands, right? So. Do you, do you see that as like, you know, undermining the undermining sexism? You see it as like reinforcing, like, how do you interpret that? Right. I don't, I don't, um, I, I see it as probably being like, I think it would be undermining like women Mm. if they didn't have these great speeches and like, they didn't get to say what they needed to say. Mm. I think like the killing of them If it was just like all of Shakespeare's play was like all the men just killed all the women. Sure. I would be like, that's weird. But like everybody dies in this play. So I sort of feel like, you know, everyone gets what's coming to them or everyone gets gets the axe in the end. So it doesn't feel like particularly anti anybody. Um, But again, he gives them he gives so many people so many great speeches like Othello has a great speech at the end before like they get to get to say what they want to say. Like there are other plays like in measure for measure. Um, I think it's measure for measure. I know for sure at the end of uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona, there's an attempted rape and that character never gets to speak another line in the play. And so like, that's a totally, that's a different conversation, right? About what mm-hmm. what's happening there. But I feel like in this play, like the characters do get to say what they want to say and what they need to say and what they feel like is important to say um, mm. for the most part. But mm. who has the last line in this? Is it Iago? No, Lodovico. Yeah. Because Iago kills himself. Right? Or, mm, I or he's, Iago is he's just like he's, he's arrested. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. He's arrested. So bad. And he's yeah. like, I, I got it. <laughs> I'm like, does someone stab him? Just can we kill him? Um also like Lodovico, what a random character to have the last line. That's Shakespeare does that a lot too, where it's like the weirdest, most random characters have the last okay. line in the play, and you're like, okay, like who was that again? Right, right, right. So, like, like the big argument though about this play, at least that I found, you know, in in reading, was like, is this a racist play or not? And you know, it seemed like the folks who disagreed were coming at it from the point of like, oh, race wasn't really a thing at this point in time. Like, this is when race is like still being formed. Like, folks are thinking more about nationhood, but it's clear like there's racism exists in the play you know um in various parts but like would you see it as a racist play as as a whole Um, do i see the play as racist or do i think the play is about racism the argument the argument that i found was like was it or was trying to ask like is it a racist play like its essence not about racism yeah i don't i don't know I don't, I might yeah. be too dumb for that question. I actually don't know that I think that it's a racist hmm. play. What is, okay, so how would you say uh, if it's a, about race, racism though? Well, I think like race is yeah. a central part of the play, mm. right? Like, so that's mm. what I mean. Like, I feel like it definitely is dealing with like mm-hmm. anti-Blackness. Maybe, right. maybe not racism in the sense that like structural racism didn't exist mm-hmm. because race was just developing as a theory. But mm-hmm. in the 1600s, race did exist. Right? right. Like, I, I 
But when was this written? You guys said 1604. I thought it was in. It came out 1603. Oh, okay. I thought it was in the 15s, but I, I, I don't remember. Uh, (laughs) Um, but so like race definitely, race definitely existed at Mm. the time of this play Mm -hmm. as a concept. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good answer for this question. I just, I think race is in the play. Obviously like it's about a black guy being destroyed by a white guy who hates him because right. he's black. Like there's something right. there. Um, right. But another thread uh, that's actually related to the racism in the play is how many characters refer to um, Othello and Desdemona's relationship as like unnatural or like mm. nature airing. And, you know, to get like on a more personal note, like what did you think of that as like, you know, a biracial person? I don't know. <laughs> what do I think of Othello and, and oh, as of their relationship the as being the unnatural? Were, the way that they were judging it as unnatural. Well, I think it's like part of the play. I think I, I think what you guys are getting at that I'm getting confused with maybe is like to me, the content of this play is racist right like the conceit of the show is like racism but i don't necessarily know that like i don't necessarily know or think that it that like that's what the play is about so of course we have to see that sorry let me try this again because the play is about the like a bunch of white people basically ganging up and driving a black person to murder of course, we have to have language that classifies his relationship as being unnatural and unlawful and bad. And of course, we have to have a language that talks badly about black people, because otherwise, how could the play happen? And so I think that like, yeah, this play has racist language in it. And like this play has things that I obviously don't agree with and think are terrible. But that's the whole point of the show. Like, that's what it's about in the same way that like a movie like Boys Don't Cry. Do you guys know that movie? with Hillary Swank. Okay. Um, it's about, a, it's about, um, a, a, uh, a, um, woman, I guess, well, at the time of the movie, it was like a woman who dressed very masculinely, but now perhaps we might call that person transgender. I'm not exactly sure what the whole situation is, um, gender wise, but it's about a, a gay bashing essentially. Right. So like that movie is not homophobic, but it's about homophobia. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. so that's sort of what I'm getting at is like, I don't right. know that the play is racist, like gone with the wind is racist, right? Mm. It's not about racism. It's racist. It has racial stereotypes, but it's actually not a, really about that. Whereas mm-hmm. like Othello is about racism. So of course there's going to be race, racist, racist language and racist moments. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm trying to say, I really struggled yeah, totally. to like, I, no, form that I, sentence. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that with that point of point of view. I I was like pretty shocked that folks were like trying to quickly label it as racist as like a play, um, and that it felt just more kind of um, a symptom of like the moment, the moment, the moment where 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 we're in of folks wanting to label things or like. Um, I don't, I don't know, quick, quick, quickly throw them under the bus in order to like not grapple with all the nuances uh, of it. I yeah. Think. yeah. But I, I honestly think like the racist part of Othello's like hi- history is more of the performance aspect of it, like given like hundreds of years of like black, black face and like just what, what 
right they've done to black actors in this role you know i would i would qualify that as it you know but that's not in the text right so that's right. a different different thing what do you um what are like performances of this play or adaptations that you really like or so well, you've already brought up oh. i've already talked about oh my favorite yeah. film ever no just kidding um i don't so i, I saw that it, version but... and it's it's so good yeah, josh hartnett's so good isn't it about basketball though? I just find I find that yeah, they're on a basketball so team and like a boarding school. Oh snap! Yeah, and he's school. like you know it's like a rich white boarding school, and he's like the only black kid, and he's the star of the team kind of vibe. Oh, and then Julia Stiles is like the daughter of the principal or one of the teachers or something <laughs> or the coach. She's like related to some white guy who's important. Um, I feel like I've seen another version of it, a movie. But I don't remember it. So I don't, I can't talk about that. And then I saw the production in Berkeley with all women that was like fine and weird. I haven't really seen it that much, um, to be honest with you. I would like to see it more. I would love to see how people are doing it now. Because the thing that's interesting about the way that Shakespeare's plays are produced over time is like they're produced based on the time. So the way that it would be cast or the way where it would be set or how, or all of that, that's all dependent on who America or whatever country is doing it thinks that they are in that moment and like what the director thinks is important. So I I find that to be always really interesting of like how productions happen, but I don't know a ton of productions of this show, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I did Mm -hmm. listen to your episode about um, new boy Mm. Early, early back episode and y'all y'all were going in yeah no that was, that was honestly hilarious i was like laughing like it was always a great podcast i just felt like the 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 book itself felt kind of funny the book was so bad yeah and the way that y'all were trashing it i was like i love this we need to do this more um vela <laughs> is one of my best friends we went to college together we studied theater oh, together and wow. so i we like picked this book being like we're gonna get to talk about shakespeare it's gonna be so great we're so excited and then we both read the book and we're like oh my god it's so bad it's so bad oh my god <laughs> uh, but you had a question there around like how would you adapt it and i was literally thinking to myself oh it'd definitely be out of boarding school on a sports team and then that's mm-hmm. oh turns out to be so yeah right. you're like right. like that's a that's a great um way to translate over for sure yeah it makes sense that it sets up pretty well um, especially because when the movie came out it was like kind of around the time of like I, I wish I could remember the year but I feel like it was like sort of in the aftermath or like around Columbine so like this Ooh. fear of like a high school shooter or like this fear of mm-hmm. of like kids getting angry and like acting badly and you guys were probably too young for that but like in the direct aftermath of Columbine a lot of schools like started putting in metal detectors and that was happening like in all of the black schools and like the black and brown communities and the white schools it wasn't happening but you know as history has shown us like a lot of the mass shootings are happening in um white at, at white school so it was sort of this like interesting racist thing so like that was sort of part yeah, of what was yes. going on when the play was or when mm-hmm. the movie was made mm-hmm. all right so imagine a world though where you get to cast your own othello and you get mm. to pick any three actors for othello iago and desdemona 
Oh, you got to add in Amelia, though. You got to add in Amelia, yes. And yeah. Bianca. And Bianca. And Prevention. And Cassio, whoever you want to say. Anybody I want to put in. Okay, yeah, I don't exactly. know. Well, okay. So I, this is like the only character I can, that comes to my mind. It's like so mm-hmm. obvious to me. Do you guys know who Jesse Plemons is? That name sounds He so was familiar. in Friday Night Lights. He was in Breaking Bad for a little bit. He was in, oh, did you guys see Judas and the Black Messiah? He was the blonde guy who was like working. Oh, he with- was the worst villain ever. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he yes. was working. Okay. So he, he's, he's probably too old now, but, uh, or maybe not, but he, it to me is, um, what the fuck is his name? The guy that Iago's like Rodrigo, Rodrigo. <laughs> the guy who like loves Desdemona, but she like doesn't want anything to do with him. I feel like Jesse Plemons would be like the perfect Rodrigo, <laughs> which is like sort of the character that he played on Friday night lights. Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> so, so often Desdemona is played by like really wussy, like prissy girls. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's not the right casting for her. I think she could like be tougher for sure. Um, yeah. I also think that I know that it kind of goes against the text, but I think it's really interesting if um, Amelia is also black. Um, mm. I think that that's like an interesting choice because she's, you know, sort of the servant, you know, and like that there's this, like even even though she's in the relationship with Iago, yeah, I just maybe like maybe like a Zendaya, like a super light skinned person who like it's like oh she's black but she's like not really black like that kind of thing. I just think there's something like or maybe she could be Asian like, but I just think it's interesting because you know like some of the most racist white men have like nice, nice. Asian Asian nice. wives or like have yeah. have like Mexican wives like it's like they're so anti everybody and so obsessed with white people. I mean, like, look, Donald Trump's wife is a fucking immigrant and he was the hardest anti-immigrant person ever. Like, I think that there is something in that relationship that would be really interesting if you could Mm. cast someone. Maybe she doesn't have to be black, but like someone who is obviously not white. Right. I don't know who it is. I'm not great with actors. (laughs) What'd you say, Jan? Racially ambiguous. Yeah, racially (laughs) ambiguous. Totally. Right. Like, I feel like we see that all the time. Yeah. I mean, um, I I'm mixed. And like, I know white women who are married to black men or have children with black men who say some of the most racist fucking shit about their kids. And then they're like, oh, I'm not racist. My kids are black. I'm just telling you. And it's like, like, what the fuck? Um, So I don't think that being married to Yago necessarily is. Because I also think and this might be a hot, a hot take. I don't think necessarily that Iago, at least by the text, that Iago's hatred of Othello is simply because he's black. It's also because mm-hmm. he has what what yes. Othello, what Iago wants. And I think yes. that if Iago's married to a non-white person, you know, the backstory is like, how could I be racist? I'm married to a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't like him because I don't think he deserves the job. I don't think he works hard enough. I don't mm-hmm. think... You know, so I don't know. I just think oh. there's something interesting there if Amelia, but I don't know who. So we'll just plug no, in Zendaya for no. now. I don't know that she could do yeah. it, but she's cute and I like her. <laughs> also from Oakland. Um, her PE teacher was, or her dad was my middle school PE teacher, just so everyone knows. One degree of separation. <laughs> I actually knew her as a child. She's 10 years younger than me. And she used to come and like hang out when we would be like shooting basketball uh-huh. anyways um who else i i'm not getting to like the real main characters because i'm not great at that um who would be i mean i guess like daniel kaluuya right like he's so great Ooh, yeah he is great 
He's so he great. So he could do anything. I mean, of course, oh, yeah. the late great Chadwick Boseman would have been a phenomenal oh, Othello. Um, oh, he would have been so good. My God. Um, whew. I'm trying to think. I feel like Iago is the easiest part in the whole show. Because I feel like he's given the most to do and he's given, like, he talks to the audience. He has a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think your your worst actor could easily be uh, Iago and they would still come off good. Who could be a good Iago? I don't know. I do think that Josh Hartnett was sort of brilliant casting because he was so lovely. Who was the breaking breaking bad guy that was the young one? Oh, the guy who plays Jesse, Jesse Pinkman. Pinkman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's like Start too possibly. evil. Don't you think you need someone like Chrissy? <laughs> you need like Chris Pratt or one of those like Chris's. <laughs> Who's the hot Chris from Knives Out? That guy. Who was, Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. You would be a good Iago. You're absolutely right. You need like a really good looking, seems right. like a nice guy. He's Look, him, him and Zendaya okay. as the power couple until Desdemona uh-huh. and Othello come. And then it's like, what the fuck's happening? Here, this guy's wife is hotter. Yeah. T- this is good. I don't have an I don't have a Desdemona, but I don't know. Uh, you might might have to put out ads though. Just say we got a cast, casting direct director for anyone that needs it for Othello. <laughs> we got you. Wow, we're Just ready. That, no, that I, I, I explanation for Emil, 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 Emilia alone though is so it's so rich, and that just proves that like different product, productions of it can really stretch the mean the meaning in various ways, and like just make it totally new. You know, bring out parts of the play that, you know, aren't even highlighted as, as much in the text. I feel like that's what, you know, having kind of such, such a good core of, you know, text that's you know, been around for 400 years, like Aja. What, what it made me think about too, is how like, it was so frustrating to see Othello, like believe the story Iago was putting together. And then mm-hmm. literally told him like, like I am a good person. Like I have not anything to you. And he just didn't listen and he killed her. And then it took Amelia to be like, no, you're so stupid. Like, no, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that could be a really interesting conversation to see. Yes. Like, you know, wow. white people, right. Being like, what have you done? Like, like we were literally here and all you had to do was listen to her. But then of course he does, you know, listen to mm-hmm. Amelia as everything's unraveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would have added just like another another little layer of nuance into all of this for sure. I just thought of another Othello. Oh, I also okay. think that Donald Glover could be a great Othello. Interesting. Interesting. I think he could be really good. I think he, I think he's he's married to a white a white person too. So he cast his wife. <laughs> we don't know who you are, wife, but you your cast. Welcome to this. This HBO Max blockbuster production of Othello starring (laughs) Donald Glover and his unknown wife. Congratulations. (laughs) No, I see that. I see see that too. I got to ask though, you, you had a tweet and and you were just talking, talking about it 10 minutes ago and you listed uh, movies that you had seen more than 10 times. Mm -hmm. And there are two movies I have to ask you about. Jerry Maguire and Uh Gone with the Wind. You have to explain yourself on both of those. I have to explain myself on them? Two great films. 
Okay. Everyone knows famously, famously gone with the wind is my problematic favorite. I love the book. I love the movie. I grew up watching it with my dad um, who is black. We loved it. I love it. I love the costumes. I, I understand that it is racist. I get it. I still love it. It's my favorite movie and one of my favorite movies. And I just, um, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell people. If you yeah, hate the Jenna, movie, if you Jenna hate the I movie, haven't seen it. Oh my God. I love it. Really? I have, for people who don't like the movie and, um, and people who like, for people who don't like the movie and people who think it's racist and don't think people should watch it. I totally am yeah. with that. And I get that. And that's your thing. And like, you should not have to watch anything that you don't want to watch. It's just part of my childhood and it's part of my life right. and I love it. And like, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, I'm not really sorry, but like, I'm sorry if I'm sorry if it upsets you that I like the movie. I don't know what's talking. Oh about. no, it doesn't. I I I was wanting to be convinced to watch it because oh, I, it's, I, haven't, it's, I haven't seen it. So great. Yeah. First of all, the way they kiss in the movie is like very 1930s, where they put their lips together and they're just like, mm. wait, is that is that is that Clark Gable? Clark Gable, right? Gable and Vivian Lee. Wait, there's a there's a story that he had like terrible breath during during that movie, and she hated true? kissing him. Yeah, I love that story. I did not know that story, Um, but that's great. And who else is in it? Olivia de Havilland, who just passed away at like 104 years old, like last year. Um, And it's so good. The costumes are incredible. And honestly, if you were to watch it now, I don't know that it would be good or that you would like it or that you would enjoy it. But I've been watching it since I was like eight. I just love it. Um, And then Jerry Maguire. I don't I love Jerry Maguire. Have you never seen it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, we we definitely have. It, there was just what that was the start of quarantine, Jay. Yeah, when yeah, was a, yeah tell, tell the story. Well, so we we had seen him before, like younger, growing up, and then you know we were just in quarantine, like oh, you know, how can we watch Jerry Maguire? And we're all looking at each other, like, wait a second, this movie is terrible. It's <laughs> like, so just, bad. Oh, yeah, is it bad? Yeah, is like, it a bad movie? But, I don't know. We just we woke up the next the next day and we're just like, whoa, was that? That's always that's always our <laughs> like if we wake up the next morning and we're just like, what was going on there? Like that's how we you know it. you know it's so funny, 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 funny though too, is that literally the same week I was talking to a friend and they had watched it with their family 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 on Netflix too. Their parents love it, and all the kids hated it and thought it was terrible too. So I'm like, it must be a generational thing. It must thing be like where- if you're an elder yeah. like myself, <laughs> you like it. I'm so wait, I'm so embarrassed because I feel like you guys are sort of just calling me chuggy to my face, but like <laughs> no, not wait, really no, saying no. it. <laughs> like because your uh, friends' parents are like at least in their fifties, and like I'm not in my fifties, so like I no, I'm no. not the same generation as your friends' parents. I'm I in mean, between. I'm a I'm a like millennial. Folks- Thank you very much. Okay, leave me I mean, alone. Like, like the folks that love gone 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 with with the wind are like gone. Gone with the Wind is an old classic film for old people. I understand that. But right. I thought Jerry Maguire was like for young, cool people. And now I'm realizing that I am old. Uh, <laughs> no, I need, so I need to watch that again, too. No, no. I feel I feel I feel like <laughs> Jerry Maguire is just it was just me, you know, being cynical about about love and just, you know. Okay, but what about show me the money? What about Cuba? Oh yeah, Jr.? that's the best line ever. No, seriously. And freaking Regina King as his wife. Regina King. 
Shout an iconic role. Renee Zellweger before she like had so much plastic surgery. <laughs> the boy with the big head. You know, the human pound weighs or the human brain head oh. weighs eight pounds or whatever. That's like such uh, an iconic thing. The Stuart, the Stuart Little kid too. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> Here's the thing though, Miles. Now that you just called her out of that tweet, you got to do your own tweet too. Like expose. I need to know. Yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, what are you? Okay, I have two questions for you guys. First of all, you neglected to talk about the number one film on that list, which is the greatest film of all time, and I will go to my grave on this. A League of Their Own. If you've never seen it, oh, you two God. need to that, fucking that see is a it. Classic. Okay. That is a classic. I a great film. That's that's a really good movie. Miles, you've not seen it. <sighs> I'm clear. I clearly don't have taste. <laughs> Miles, I'm telling you. <laughs> You want to talk about what the Chugi elders like? It's a league of their own. You want to get a job somewhere? Go watch League of Their Own so you can talk to the person interviewing you about great American cinema. Okay. Um, that's the greatest movie ever. I can literally recite every single line basically from any scene. On, on, I, when I was a little girl, this is a funny story. I think when I was a little girl, you know, we had VHS. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but we had those and you could put the VHS in and you could record what was on the television. And so Mm -hmm. I had, we, my brother and I each had our own one VHS that we could record whatever shows we wanted so that we could watch it later. And I would record a league of their own on TBS because it was on all the time. It still is. And I would put it in and I would click record whenever the show was on. So the tape was not watchable because it was like different chunks of the movie from whenever it started. And I turn on the TV. So it just made chunks of the movie. (laughs) But I love that movie. And I need to know what at least is like one or two of the movies on your guys's list, because now I need to talk shit about your Um, favorite movie. Exactly. Now I got to find a problematic fave though. You know what I'm saying? mm. And you have it. I come to mind. Uh, I mean, in terms of movies that I've seen a lot, um, and that's problematic, Avatar, for sure. One of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> the, James, the James Cameron one. Yes. yes. Serious. Wow. So bad. Yeah. Wow. No, wow. He- and you're talking about Jerry Maguire and you like Avatar? Wow. <laughs> wow. I will fight you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, was, oh actually too this is this is relevant as well like space jam i so saw good. i saw the first one and we grew up on that movie loved it Same. i saw the second one and it was so bad that i was like wait a second was the first one good i was no, like, apparently the first one was also bad right that's what i heard too i was I like i heard this <laughs> space jam one was amazing and the best yes. movie ever right but this week i've heard good. everyone tell me that the first one is also apparently not good yeah. <laughs> I just rewatched it the other day. It holds wow. up for me. <laughs> I know. I, I was kind of afraid to rewatch it because I was like, "Oh man, I don't want to. I don't want to face that truth. Like, if it really is a bad movie." But I was just so convinced while I was watching a new legacy. I was like, you know, all around, just way worse than the first one. Untouchable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, would, I would. I would. I would say, of my favorite movies list here. My only problematic favorite would have to be Annie Annie Hall because of Woody Allen. Oh, um, you like Annie what, Hall? That's so old of you. Yeah, that's yeah. even like the generation <laughs> above me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that is. I'm, I know. I'm wait. I am called like an old ass man from from my friends like all all the time. Like I have very grandpa, you know, 
just dad tendent tendent tendencies. Um, well, what's your number one favorite movie? Not problematic, just like exactly, period. No, um, probably the Social Network. Honest, honest, honestly, I think just the way the dialogue happens and the way the story unfolds, and I think just the oh, movie I saw the most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People love that movie. It's a good yeah, movie. Yeah. Justin Timberlake in it, though, is a so stretch. annoying. Yeah, he's <laughs> the Napster so, guy. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, people like that movie. I the soundtrack drove me absolutely crazy. The Trent Reznor like really. I listen to the sound soundtrack like all the all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> obviously have very long. different taste, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. We gotta ask about books. Books, though. I mean, you're, okay. Yeah, like what is the best book you read in the last year and then oh, your so favorite book ever today. Okay. Favorite book ever can never do. Can't do it. Sorry. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, my one of the, okay. The best books I've read. Can I give you four? Yes. Let's please. Okay. Here are the best things I've read so far this year. Uh, five. It's gotta be five. Sorry. Um, the Empire of Pain by Patrick Radden Keefe, which is about the Sackler family oh, who yeah. the opioid it's book. Mm-hmm. So good. The book is so good. I was lucky enough to have Patrick on the podcast. It's a great episode. Definitely listen. Um, Clint Smith's book, How the Word is Passed, which is about mm-hmm. um, history and the history of slavery in America. And he goes to all these different historical sites that are connected to the history of slavery and like talks to people and talks about it. And it's incredible. Also had Clint on. It was also great. Um, I just read this graphic memoir called seek you seek you. It's about, um, loneliness and Mm. it's so beautiful and it's so good. And, uh, it's memoir, but also just nonfiction. So she takes like these studies that were done on monkeys and like draws them out and explains them. So it's like kind of a mix of like memoir and nonfiction, but in graphic style, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just do one more. Mm, I said I was going to do five. Okay. Hanif Abdurraqib's book, uh, A Little Devil in America is an essay collection about black performance. Phenomenal. Yeah. Had him on the show. What a blessing. He's so great. And then the last one I would say is KSA Layman's re-release of Long Division, which is incredible right. and also had KSA on the show. This is basically just me plugging my podcast. <laughs> I just read a lot for the podcast, but I didn't have KSA on to talk about Long Division, but he's great. And the book is great. Um, but my all-time favorite book, you know, that's really hard. I don't yeah. have one. I don't know. If that's Charlotte's a- Web. I, no, but see, like, like I, I guess... I'm more curious about the book looking at the vantage point of your life now, mm. you know, you would, you would say like had the most impact on the way you like think or the way you love or, or the way you just do any part of your life or like just who, you know, your composition, composition, right? Like what book has, you know, formed the most pieces of, of you now mm. in a sense. That's a really long one. It's a really hard question because there's so many different parts of myself that have been influenced by so many different books, but just like, I think one of the books that was really formative for my thinking in the last few years, at least was, um, Ibram Kendi's, uh, stamp from the beginning, Mm. um, which is about the, about the history of racist ideas in America Mm. or maybe Mm. just the racist ideas period, but it's mostly focused in America Mm -hmm. and it really shaped the way that I think about race and racism and 
history and, and the ways that we understand history. And, um, I read it in 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of informed a lot of my thinking since then. And also helped me to understand a lot of things that I didn't understand before yeah. then. So it's a pretty important book, I would say in my thinking. See that book, the warmth of other sons, which I another saw one. In- exactly. And the other book, Blood and in- the Blood in the Water. Have yes. you read it? No. Oh my God. <laughs> but I'm but I'm saying those are the three books that I have been on my list for like like a year now, but are just so long that I'm just like I can't wrap my head around starting them. But I know that they would be really good. I just okay. Let me help you. Blood in the Water is long, but you can read it fast. It's super narrative. It's incredible. It's a little bit upsetting. There's some really graphic depictions of violence and stuff. So just know that. But like, Mm. it's a 700 page book that I read in six days. Like I could not put it down. Like it's really narrative. It moves quickly. Stamp from the beginning is much more academic. It's going to be a much slower read. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Warmth of Other Sons started off slow for me, but by about a hundred pages in, I could not put it down. I don't know the story. I don't know the story of your, your family, but my family was part of the great migration. And so Mm -hmm. it felt like I was learning about my dad in ways that Uh I had never heard. And it just was like, it it made my life make sense. And it also made the people in my community make sense. And like, when I travel, Mm -hmm. it made sense. Like you'll start to see, like when you go to places, like, I remember after I read the book, I was in a cab and we had this black driver and he was talking and he was like, oh yeah, we were like in Texas or something. He's like, oh yeah, well, all my people are back in Louisiana. And I was like, right. That makes sense because people came from Louisiana through Texas to California. And I was like, those are our people. Like we're on the same line, like same. So it's really good. Mm. I recommend, I mean, I tell everyone to read it, but for black Americans specifically, like yeah. people yeah. whose family were, was part of slavery in any mm-hmm. way, like it really it really like makes sense of so much that was unknown about our families and our world. Mm-hmm. So if that's, if that's you guys, I definitely think you should. Read it, it is. No, I have to, man. Um, yeah, I have to. Too, so I, I'm gonna have to steal your question from the stacks, favorite okay. snacks and drinks. Oh, Reading. easy. Yeah. Um, I love a snack. So I drink tea, hot tea with milk and sugar. And if I don't finish my hot tea with milk and sugar, I pour it over ice later, which is what I'm drinking right now. Uh, black tea only. So Earl Grey and uh, English breakfast mostly. I also drink water and I also love Diet Coke. Those are all three, but Diet Coke is only with food. Tea I drink like while I read. And then snacks. I love all sorts of snacks. I'm really trying hard to um, eat more fruits and vegetables right now. So cherries are very in for me because it's summer and peaches, but normally um, Swedish fish and goldfish is my go-to snack. I call it a pescatarian because it's all fish. Um, I love pretzel thins with cream cheese. I like um cream cheese and pretzel thins. Wow. Yeah, really good. Or if you get that like um alouette cheese sauce. I hate hummus. I'm a super picky eater. What? Yeah. I don't like most things. Like I don't eat tomatoes. I don't eat hummus. I don't eat guacamole. I hate avocados. I don't eat eggs. I don't eat beans. I don't eat nuts. Found your friend. (laughs) Found your friend here. We have gotten so mad at Jen. Like we're like, bro, 
eat the avocado, bro. Like eat the guacamole. (laughs) You have to think about it this way, Miles. If you love guacamole and you're out to dinner with Jan and you guys are sitting at a table with fresh made delicious guacamole, there's more for you. So leave Jan and I alone. You're welcome. Oh my God. It's so true. So So, yeah, I don't know. I like, I love a cheese it. I love a string cheese. I love a snack. I prefer snacks. If I could just sit around and eat snacks, I I also love a kettle chip and I love those (laughs) Maui onion chips. Mm, Yeah, I like snacks. (laughs) The the, the thing with snacks is like, as soon as I get in a snacky mood or like have a snacky day, like my whole day is gone. Like it doesn't matter like what I'm doing, like, like (laughs) any work, right? Writing, reading, like I just, I, I just have to keep eating, you know, and I'm yeah. like, mm, what flavors work with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you. I like walk back and forth to my cabinets. Like, uh-huh. like I read like one page and then I'm like, Oh, okay. Congratulations. Time to go eat. I know. No, just, just reading, just reading through all of, all of, all of your reviews though. And in your podcast, I just honestly appreciate how honest you, you are like Lily, just like you had Quentin Tarantino on, on your show. And then you make a post saying that his book is just okay. I love that. Like, I, I, we were just like, yeah, this is not that great. Like, I, I'm just like, wow. Um, but I just, you know, we're so inspired by, by, by your work. And thank you. Seriously. Thank you. Yeah. I know it's not very nice of me to do it. No, that, no, I thought, I thought that was great though. Cause it's, cause it's like, and, and you had tweeted, tweeted too. Cause, cause you were like, you know, I was the one interviewer, you know, that wasn't just like sucking up, up to him and, you know, right. You know, seeing him as this god, right? And I, I still have to hear the inner, 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 inner be right. But I think that just speaks to your like integrity. Yeah, um, I always tell people like, for me, the reason that my reviews are like super honest and I tell the truth is because I actually don't think of myself as like my the people that I'm indebted to and the people that I am like want to impress or like want to mm-hmm. make happy. Those people are my audience. It's not the authors, right? Like the authors aren't like they, right. they come on for one episode or two episodes. And like, I'm, I mean, I'm honored to have them on and like, they're my guest on the show, but my audience, those are the people that come back week after week so that they don't believe me or they don't trust me. And right. I'm trying to suck up to my guest. Like, right that doesn't make sense to me. So I think mm. like, okay, what would my audience think about this? You know? And like, that's more mm-hmm. my guiding post than mm. what will the author think? And like, mm-hmm. I understand that it's hard with social media because sometimes people will see things that I've said about their work that is not like the most pleasing, but I try really hard not to be mean, you know, like no, I don't ever no, criticize, like mean. I'm never like, right. this is shit. You know, like if I have a critique, <laughs> I'll say what it is. But right. I also feel like in some extent, like to some extent, it's none of the author's business, what I think about them. And if they want to come find it or see it, or if they want to follow me or whatever, like, then that's something that they're agreeing to do. Right. And I just have to be okay with that. And the same is true for like my, for my show. Like if people are criticizing my show, like I have to just be okay with it because that's what I put out into the world. And like, I've definitely read or heard things where people have had not kind, not like not mean, but just like not, they didn't like something. And like, (laughs) that's part of being an artist. That's part of like creating stuff. So mm-hmm. I try to not be too sensitive, but I'm sensitive. Do you think, do you, do you think your, your, you know, 
discerning eye as like a critic has affected you, the writer, like you, the reader, you know, kind of being very, you know, you know, just honest, you know, do you think that has changed the way that you write or, you know, I've always been like this. (laughs) I've always been really critical. Um, I remember when I was young, I used to go see plays with my mom when they would come to town and she would be like, it was so great. And I'd be like, yeah, but the costumes were sort of ugly or like (laughs) the lead girl wasn't very good or whatever. Like I've always sort of had been really critical about things. Um, But I, I think some people think that like when I'm being critical, that it means that I don't like it or like I'm not enjoying myself, but I actually really like criticism and I think it's interesting and like if I if something's really great it almost like takes the fun out of it for me I like being like oh that's a problematic moment or like oh why did they put her in that outfit or like oh what are they trying to say like I like trying to figure out the creative process so Mm -hmm. if something is like really good it's almost like not as enjoyable for me Mm. yeah no we I would we're, we're kind of similar and that's why I was like I was so tempted to say we should talk about gone with the wind because mm. like i yeah i just i love tearing stuff up and i thought that would have been a really interesting one to like to kind of like mess with and mess around with you know oh for like the novel well no it's it's like about. like interviewing tracy you know just like because yeah, you, right. you, know, you had your great list of books. <laughs> Yeah. I'm such an you, asshole. You guys were like, pick one book. And I was like, mm, I can't do it. So I literally asked my Instagram followers what they would want to hear me talk about. And then I sent you guys over what they said. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. I see. Or at least some of what they said. I put my, I think I added Gone with the Wind, but some people had suggested Shakespeare because I don't really do it on the show. And yeah. then some people mm-hmm. said some other books that I had liked recently that mm-hmm. I hadn't already done episodes on. Oh, well, um, awesome. Uh, you know, shout out to the Stacks Pack out yeah. there. You know, <laughs> um, they hold me down, my peeps. Yeah, but but no, I, I feel like you know, along with what we're talking about, with just your your honesty in your posts, um, as well as being honest, saying like, "Hey, I don't have a favorite, but like, here are some ones mm-hmm. that I can talk about." Right? Uh, I think you know, a- everything that you're doing is just really um, inspiring, instructive for us mm-hmm. in terms of like opening up more. I feel like. Yeah. Know, we've started talking about books more. We usually want to talk about books that we like because, you know, we want to attract people right. to reading. <laughs> but then, right. when we, and then we're seeing your stuff. And we're like, wait a second. Like, if I don't like this book because we obviously talk, we, we trash books all the time with each other. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think what you have like shown us is how it's okay and totally fine and good to like do it with, you know, all of the people that we're in conversation with, you know, through social media too. Right. Yeah. I think it's fun. It's okay. You don't have to like everything. I don't know. There's like this weird thing in culture right now where it's like, you have to like everything. It's like, no, you don't. And just because you don't like something doesn't mean that it needs to like not exist. Also, like you could just not like something like, I, you know, I read a hundred books a year and I would say like at least 40 of them, I don't really care for. And probably of that probably of the total hundred, at least 20 of them, I think are objectively bad books, or at least to me, subjectively bad books. I'm mm-hmm. like, you that's okay. You start. What? Do you finish every book you start? No, 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 no way. I try, I, I try not yeah. to pick up things that I think I'm not going to like, mm-hmm. you know, like I try to be selective. I, I know my taste pretty good, but mm-hmm. sometimes like, here's a good example. Um, Colson Whitehead has a new book coming out called Harlem shuffle, oh, which I'm super yes. excited about. And I started it the other day and I read like you got 15 an advanced minutes. copy, right? Yeah. 
And I read like 15 pages and I was like, I I can't read this right now. Like, I don't like this, but I don't think the book is bad. I just am not in the place. So I put it down because I really want to read it and like it. Like I never want to pick up a book and not like it. You know, like Mm. I'm never like, oh, I'm going to read this because I'm going to hate it. Like that's a waste of my time. So if I can tell that something's not working for me in the moment, I'll put it down. But usually Mm. if I pick something up, it's because I want to read it. So I will go back and finish it at some point. Mm -hmm. And like Mm. everything I do on the show, I finish. So sometimes there are times when I'm reading something just because of the show and I'll like finish it kind of begrudgingly. But I think it's important to read the whole book because, you know, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Jen and I have gone, we're, have just gone through whole spurts where we were, you know, dropping books like like flies because they mm. just weren't weren't good. You know, especially over over quarantine. I think I got a much more um, like like my book BS meter just went up like crazy. I was yeah. like, yeah, nah, yeah, like, I'm done with that. It's it's uh, it's hilarious and it's super fun. And I think part of what you're saying too is that you know, trusting yourself is a really big part of it. Right. Um, and like just being in tune with like how you're feeling right now and being okay with like setting those boundaries. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like for us, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, who's miles. Who's the guy that did the book, like angels of our better nature or like the, he's very like a progressive guy. Oh, Steven Pinker, bro. Steven Pinker, right? So, like, I'll see, like, Steven Pinker, like, quoting, recommending, like, a book on a, like, on, on the Yeah, cover. a blurb. I won't be <laughs> anymore. Like, I'll just be like, <laughs> uh, like, if this guy's got anything to do with his book, like, I can't do it. Bill Gates, too, bro. I'm yeah, like, nah. I, yeah, when, when they co-sign stuff, <laughs> I'm just immediately <laughs> cussed out. Like, <laughs> Thanks, bro. I love Thanks. that. Yeah. All right. As a as a final fun question, if you had a magic wand to change anything about modern day culture or the world, what what would it be? Oh my God, <laughs> I would get rid of the filibuster. Is that an option? <laughs> Best answer ever. No, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I would change a lot of things, but I think we would start with Philip or maybe just adding some people to the Supreme court or maybe like, could I like, if I had a magic wand, could I restructure the American government? Like change how it works. Okay. Something like I would, I would restructure Congress and the presidency and the Supreme court, the the U S government. I'd need to read some books, but I feel like there's some changes we can make. (laughs) (laughs) No, totally agreed. I I've 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 gone through so many like political science politics books in like the last year and last couple of years honestly and um you know they all have so much hope but like when you read the news every day you just can't help be but be cynical about everything it's just like you know everyone has a specific plan to like change this to get rid of this. And it just never, ever happens. So I'm just yeah. always that, you know, cat with the shrug, shrugging mean cat. Yeah, <laughs> always the shrugging. I was I supposed to tell you what the book, The Blank? About this. Yeah. Mine was just going to be that Othello is the book that made me remember we've always been here. Wow. 
I'm curious about that. Well, just like, I think, I think that a lot of the time, at least for me, like there was a period in my life where I didn't really understand that like black people have been everywhere always. Like we've always been there, but we've been written Mm -hmm. out of so many stories or like that our Mm -hmm. stories haven't been told. And I think in rereading Othello recently, I realized like this anti-black racism and like black people being outstanding and exceptional. And like, Mm -hmm. like it just made me remember that like, we've always been here. Like we have always been part of the history no matter how people like retell it now, like there are in every story, like there are black people there. And that's true in Elizabethan fiction, like Othello was there, you know? Wow. I love that because, you know, you started talking about how we've always been here in terms of like white male fragility, Um, but looking at it from like black people centered just always being here present is uh, is beautiful. Again, there's that antithesis too, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I think like, I think what's frustrating for me is like so often the story is like about the white people, right? And it's like the black person's like this side character. And and it's like, no, motherfucker, we were always there. You just cho- chose, there was a choice made to not tell our story or to decide that like we weren't worthy of being, you know, the story. Mm-hmm. And so this book reminded me, like, we've always been here, even though, like we talked about, Iago is the lead. Like, it, it is Iago's play. Right. But, like, there is no play without Othello. Right. Like, it, right. as much as it is Iago's play and he's doing the, he's, like, forcing the action, like, there is no Iago without Othello. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's my blank. And that concludes this episode of The Books at Blank, where we talk to Tracy Thomas about Othello by William Shakespeare. If you're interested in hearing some more amazing book-related conversations, we strongly recommend checking out The Stacks on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as following Tracy on social media at The Stacks Pod. Links for The Stacks and Othello are both in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed the show and would love to hear your feedback, whether it's leaving a rating and review or messaging us on our Instagram page. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.